You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. If you don't know, we actually have a little tradition, a little tradition, and I believe, you know, one of my philosophies as a pastor and one of the great opportunities being a new church, we're coming up on three years, is that we've had the benefit of not having to say, we've always done this this way. And, and I've just decided we're not going to do that except for one thing, maybe two things. These are actually going to be in the bylaws at some point so that future pastors have to do this. And one of those things is dad jokes on Father's Day. I just think that should be absolutely essential and critical to the future of, okay, before I dive into the message and before we share for today's offering, uh, let me read these dad jokes for you. Uh, okay, now, now listen, these didn't used to be dad jokes. They were just jokes until I became a dad. And I did run these by my wife, and she didn't think any of them were funny, which means they're hilarious. <laughs> Why, after an unsuccessful harvest, did the farmer try his career in music? Because he had a ton of sick beats. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thanks for the encouragement. The inventor of the throat lozenge passed away. There was no coffin at his funeral. good way to start the day. My therapist asked me, what brings you in today? I said, I have a terrible fear of tsunamis. How bad is it? The therapist asked. It comes in waves. <laughs> I didn't say they were good. <laughs> I'm writing a book on reverse psychology. Please don't buy it. <laughs> a man was admitted to the hospital after swallowing six plastic horses his condition has been described as stable. <laughs> My wife is blaming me for ruining her birthday, but that's ridiculous. I didn't even remember it was her birthday. <laughs> Somebody tell me that that's a true story today. I said, hey, that goes with my, okay. Uh, I, I'm trying to organize a hide-and-seek tournament, but good players are hard to find. Uh, this one I actually gave last year, and it's backed by popular demand. Um, I wonder what my parents did to fight boredom before the internet existed, so I asked my 18 brothers and sisters, <laughs> but they had no idea either. My wife told me I was immature, so I told her, get out of my pillow fort. <laughs> All right, I'll stop there. Today, we're continuing our series, Roadmap to Recovery. Roadmap to Recovery, if you're taking notes, the title for this message, part two, is When You Lose Your Edge. When You Lose Your Edge. Last week, we talked about the importance of hope and how even the death valleys of life, the dry, dead places of life, the dry, dead situations can come to life at the word of the Lord. And many of you are living testimonies of what the word of God can do in a life, in a family, in a marriage, with your kids, with your children. As God does what, what people consider impossible, God does the impossible. 
He does the supernatural, and, and I, I shared with you a little bit at the beginning of that message how I believe we're in a season of supernatural recovery for so many people, that, that what life has depleted, what the world has taken, and maybe what we've even lost ourselves, what we've even laid aside and forgotten about that's important, uh, that, that God's in the business of recovery, God's in the business of restoration, and, and as Joel, the promise in Joel chapter 2 says, that God can even restore the years. God can restore in a moment what took me years to mess up. That's good news, church. Uh, there's the, so, so today we're going to look at a story, uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6. And it's a story that's, you know, there's a lot of miracles in the Bible that are, uh, I would say, dramatic or uh, one of the main miracles that happens often in the ministry and life of Jesus and throughout the Bible are healings, that people would be healed of a physical infirmity. And by the way, he still heals. So, so that's good news. Uh, they would be set free supernaturally. Those who are bound and unable to help themselves and rescue themselves by the power of God, he would set them free. And, and even the dead would be raised. Uh, and, and Jesus did this himself, not only in the story of Lazarus, where he spoke to the, the tomb that was sealed up and, and Lazarus had been buried for days. He, said, he had them roll away the stone and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And that dead man came to life because Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. And there is nothing impossible for him. But I like in the Bible when there are stories that aren't just the big miracles or the miracles that are about the life and death situations, but about the ordinary day-to-day situations. Because there are moments where we need those major God miracles. We need those miracles where, where if God does not show up, if, if God doesn't heal, if God doesn't set free, if God doesn't rescue and restore, that, that nothing will change if God's not there and present in that situation. And we look at the big things as the only kinds of miracles that God does, but God also cares about the little stuff. And God is in the business of recovery so much to the point that he wants to restore the big things and the little things. And this story is one of those miracles. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, the sons of the prophets, these are uh, equivalent to Bible school students that are preparing and growing in their calling to be prophets in Israel. They've gathered around Elisha, and they say now, uh, see now the place where we dwell with you, Elisha, is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, and let every man take a beam from there, and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So Elisha said, go. And then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And so Elisha says, I'll go with you. And so he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they began to cut down trees. But as one was cutting down the tree, the iron axe said that was on his axe fell into the water. And he cried out and he said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? He showed him the place. He cut off a stick and he threw it in there and he made the iron, the iron axe head, float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. As miracles go, this is not a life and death situation, but it was borrowed. <laughs> and he's got to return it. And if it matters to you, it matters to God. If it matters to your family, it matters to God. 
if it matters to your job, your calling, your business, your, your marriage, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And, and the story starts with something very practical as well. The, 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 the group has outgrown their space. And they say to Elijah, who's the senior leader there, he's the, he's the prophet of Israel, succeeding Elijah now, is dwelling among them, preparing to pass on to the next generation what he's received. And as he does this, he's gathered around these, these young men that are sons of the prophets, and they come to Elisha, and they say, hey, listen, our, the place where we're at with you, it's been great. It really has. But we're having to share some bunks. It's getting a little, there's like two bathrooms and 50 sons of the prophets. Like, like we're having some issues. And, and, and we need more space. And so they ask him, can we go and make some room? Can, can we, can we out, we've outgrown the space we're in. Can we move and have a larger space, build a larger space? And, and, and this, this matters because I believe that God not only restores, but, but in the process of restoration and anything, to be frank, that God does in our life is to grow us, is to move us, grow, grow our faith, grow our confidence in God, grow our character, grow our trust, and it's time, if you're taking notes, for us to grow to the next level. That's where the sons of the prophets were. They were at a place where they said, our, 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 our geographical location is too small, therefore we've got to do something about it. And I believe there's some seasons in our life that we simply outgrow. There's some situations in our life that we begin to outgrow. And I want to help you navigate that. But, but I, I also want us to get back a vision for our life a vision from God. Lots of people dream. Lots of people have vision statements in their business and organization, but how many of those are from God? Do you know God wants to give you a dream for your family? He wants to give you a word for your household. He wants to give you a promise for your future. God cares about that. He cares about our, our kids. He cares about our grandkids. He cares about the practical things of life. And in that process, my friend Jeremy was here two weeks ago and he preached a great message on that, that verse where Jabez prayed, enlarge my territory. And some of us are so conditioned by religion that we have a hard time asking God for more. I could never do that. I could never ask for things to be different. I could never pray uh, outside the limitations, outside the circle that religion has drawn for me. I, I, I can't pray with that level of confidence in a God that we sang about last week. What was that song? It said, to a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. How many of us have limited our prayer life and our faith to what we can see, what we can control, and, and also can have a plan B for do you know faith has no plan B? <laughs> faith doesn't have a plan B. It's what he said. It's not one of many options. It's the only option when you're surrendered to Jesus. And guess what? What's great about saying yes to his plan, it's so much better than what we can come up with. On, on our best day, we can't even touch, come, come close to what God has created and planned and purposed for us when we say yes to Jesus in every area of our life. And I, I want to challenge you because sometimes we settle for living small when we're called to live big in God. This place is too small for us. Isaiah 54 verse 2 actually was a promise to those, a generation of Israelites who had lost just about everything. 
and their hope and expectation was now defined by their disappointment, by unfulfilled promises, by, by, by a lack of seeing a, way, a future and a way forward. And God said to them in a place that they would describe as a barren season, a fruitless season, a season of hopelessness, God said this word, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. When you've lived long enough, even as a Christian, and you've allowed disappointment and discouragement to define your faith parameters, here's what you do. You may stretch, but not that much. You may, you may take a step of faith, but it's a measured step. It's a qualified step. It's a step that has lots of conditions. Well, God, if you, if you do X, Y, and Z, then I'll trust you. But here's what I found. What does he say? And if I respond to what he says, God, God has never in 18 years of following Jesus, most of that in ministry, I have not found that God goes on my timetable and says, here, let me arrange everything perfectly before you take a step. In fact, it usually looks very different. God says, move to Mason City and start a church. Okay, 2019, sounds great. We get ready to move in 2020, April of 2020. Come on, somebody. And at that season, all we had to remind ourselves of was a word from God. And God's called you to take, take, take steps of faith, areas of trust, and belief in what God says. And here's the, here's the promise. Enlarge the place of your tents. Make room. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. In other words, enlarge your capacity for what God can do. I, I love this. Psalm 126.1 is a promise to those that would come back from captivity, uh, which I mentioned last week when Israel was in captivity in Babylon, and they said, our hope is lost, We're, our bones are dry, what Ezekiel prophesied to. Well, when that generation came back, here's the song of that generation. Psalm 126.1, a song of ascents. Do you know what a song of ascents is? There's several in that section of, of the book of Psalms. It's a psalm that would be sung and read as the priests would take steps up the temple to the place of the glory of God. The closer they would get, the higher they would go, they would remind themselves by singing of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God, of the glory of God. Some of us, why worship is important isn't just because it's warm up for a message. It's how we start service. No, 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 we're, we're taking a step closer. And, and in the process of drawing near to God, he draws near to us, and it elevates our attention. It raises our focus from what we can see in the smallness to the place of God's glory and presence where nothing is impossible, where, where God says your family can be restored. That addiction can be broken, that fear can leave, that that, that that place that we think is impossible. Here's what it says. I didn't forget to read it, I promise. Uh, a song of ascents. When the Lord brought back the captivity or the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. We were like those who dream. Do you know what happens? Psalm 126.1, can we put that on the screen? Here's what happens when we dream. You know God has begun to restore and heal your heart when you start dreaming again. It's impossible to live in survival mode and dream. It's impossible to be a church on defense and dream. I, I don't know why I've just been in, like, I started full-time ministry, quit my job, stepped into full-time ministry during the 2008 housing market crash in Phoenix, Arizona which was one of the hardest hit areas in the entire world. 
in the entire nation in the area of real estate in that. Uh, and, and there's a lot to that story. But, but, but the, and then we started a church during a global shutdown. And, and I could go on and on and tell you like five more situations where we had to, but, I, but here's what I found. It's in the seasons where everybody says, stay small. Keep your head down. Just survive. That's actually the greatest opportunity. Oh, do you know how bad it is out there? The church just needs to hunker down. We need to circle our wagons. We need to get together. We need to try to, try to make it till Jesus comes back. You know, we, we got to do that. What if we were in the season of the greatest harvest in the United States history? What if we were on the break of the greatest great awakening that this nation's ever seen? What if instead of saying dry bones, we spoke life? What if we recognize this is a great opportunity? We were like those who dream. That's why the devil wants to keep you in survival mode. Because it's hard to pray for revival in your city when you're just thinking, how do I make it tomorrow? What happens when there's smallness around us? And this is true, it happens. We're in environments like we see with this house the sons of the prophets dwell in. But, but here's what I love. Um, you can now grow any season. You can outgrow any place that others have defined you by. It's funny how people will define you by what they can understand and control. <laughs> That's for like three of you in the room. <laughs> like, like people give opinions and they, they try to categorize you and figure you out and, 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 and limit you to, well, you're just that person. You're just from that family. You're just, you're just that kid. You're just that. And, and they define you by what they can understand instead of recognizing what if God's dream was so much bigger than people's definition of you. Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians 4.14 describes our faith as believers. It's, in case you're wondering, growth is not optional. I'll make it up to you. I got donuts for you at the end of service. <laughs> Growth is not optional. Like, like there's never a time walking with Jesus where he, he, the Holy Spirit's working in my life and he goes, you've arrived, Brian. <laughs> like you made it. <laughs> Let's just, you know, get your, get your spiritual cabana and your spiritual beach chair and just chill. Like, like you've, you've arrived. Why? Because there's always growth. There's always, I don't want my faith to be the same a year from now. I want it to grow. I don't want my, my trust in God to be the same a year from today. <laughs> he says in Ephesians 4, after describing how the church is equipped, we're equipped by gifts in the church uh, to grow us in our calling, to, to, uh, to align us with our calling. Here's what he says, that we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro. There's a, there's a phrase for you. To and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, can I just say this? Doctrine's a word we usually use in the church, but doctrine just means a teaching or an idea. And there's doctrines outside of the church and sometimes, tragically, in the church that aren't from God. That means there's ideas that aren't, aren't in line with this, the B-I-B-L-E. Uh, and, and, and if we're not careful, if that's not our foundation, we'll be moved back and forth by everything that's trending. By everything that media dictates, by everything that our families see and say, by everything our job says, by everything the economy says. And we'll be back and forth to and fro by our feelings, 
but what we have and what we don't have, but who's with us and who's not with us, by the latest idea of culture. And he says, don't be carried about back and forth by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is Christ. So God does a work in us to grow us, to, to, to stretch us. And, and sometimes we like to stay where we're at because maybe in our environment, we're the, we're the most gifted in the room. We're the most wise in the room. We're the most knowledgeable in the room. Can I just tell you, if you are, you need a bigger room. Like you need to have some people around you that challenge your faith, that stretch your faith. Can I, just, can I just say that I think insecurity is the thing that keeps one generation from passing on to the next what it is meant to be given. Insecurity is the thing that keeps us from celebrating other people when they're winning because we think them winning means I'm losing. Can I, just, can I just say something as a church? We can't stay the same. We have to grow, not because we need bigger church. We need bigger people. God's growing, God's growing us. And guess what? There's a people, there's a city that needs to be reached with the good news of Jesus. There's, there's lost and hurting people. And there's going to be somebody that will take your parking space. There's going to be somebody who's going to be aside next to you serving on a team and in your group that you don't know yet. That's okay because we need to grow. Sometimes we like it when everybody knows our name and they know it's our potluck and we bring the same meal every year and they love our potatoes. And we like it like that. But can I tell you, there's, this is very real for hell because hell is absolutely committed to going after every single person in North Iowa. Every single son and daughter, every single marriage, every single family. And the church needs to have the same level of, if not greater, the same level of pursuit and passion to see eternity come down, to see eternal impact in the lives of people around us. That we may grow. God gives us something that seems small. And he calls us to be faithful with it. He calls us to be faithful with this. Whenever I've had or seen an attitude, well, I'm too good for this small. That's not what I'm talking about today because that just means I need to grow. When I think I'm too big, to, listen, if, if I'm too big to serve, I'm too small to lead. Why did that person get the promotion, not me? Or that person had that opportunity. You know, there's a story in the Bible. There's two kings, King Saul and King David. King Saul becomes jealous, and here's why. They start singing songs of both of them after a battle. And they say, Saul has killed his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. And Saul hears that, and he, he can't celebrate the thousands that he's overcome and that's being recognized and celebrated. No, he's so mad at David, he can't stand it because he's insecure. Insecure people will always tear down others to make themselves feel better. But here's what a Saul is meant to do. God's put Saul in position to raise up David. But what if in our lives we, we act more like Saul? Do you know what happens? Saul becomes the greatest enemy of David. When, when Saul's can't deal with their insecurity, insecurity produces Saul's 
and kills David's. Saul spent the next season of his life trying to take David out. Have you ever been around somebody? Don't raise your hand. You've been around somebody insecure. They can't celebrate others. They can't, they can't, they can't encourage their team. They can't build up their kids. I, I, I mean, one of my good friends who's a pastor. Well, I'm not going to tell that story. It's a podcast. Okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I got two filters. One's my wife and one's the Holy Spirit. They're both helpful. <laughs> Okay. God gives us what seems small, but here's what I love about this. We're always able to steward and grow it and increase it. Luke chapter 16, verse 12 says, if you're faithful, if you're not faithful with other people's things, who would be able to trust you with things of your own? So, so, so don't be discouraged because what you have doesn't seem to match the vision or the dream that God gave you. Just be faithful with what you do have and watch God be able to entrust you with the, the, the later vision. Are, are, are you with me? And so uh, Zacharias is like this, don't despise, or who has despised the day of small beginnings? They had to start in that house, but God wanted them to grow in that house to be able to build a new one. So, so our faith needs to grow. Our character needs to grow. Sometimes our relationships need to grow. It, it, you may have heard this said, and I've, I've repeated something like this here, that if you want to know where somebody's going to be in five years, look at their inner circle. Look at their friends. That's why I want to surround myself with people that are much further ahead, not because I want to be impressive to them. I want people that are further ahead in their family, in their marriage, with their kids, in ministry, and what I'm called to do. I want to be around people that are going to challenge me in that because I want to be around where I'm going. Like produces like. Let's go back to the story of Elisha. And, and, and here's what happens in the story. This man says, hey, Elisha, let's, let's, uh, if, if you're okay with it, please let us go and cut down some trees, cut down some beams, and then we're going to build a bigger space, a bigger house. And so they ask him, they say, Elisha, will you come with us? And what I love about Elisha is even though it wasn't going to directly benefit him, he says, I'm in this with you. Even though it wasn't his house that was being built, even though it wasn't for him and about him, he says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to go with you. That's a person who is not insecure, but can encourage other people. That's willing to invest in the next generation. That's willing to invest in somebody else. There's going to be some things we do as a church that are not even going to be about the, uh, us in the room, myself included, but about our kids and our grandkids and our families. Because we want to we see something that outlasts us. But here's what happens. They come down to the river and, and they begin to cut the trees down. And one of the guys, he's swinging, he's swinging that axe. And all of a sudden he's noticing this axe is a little bit lighter. <laughs> he's swinging and all of a sudden I'm not getting cuts anymore in the tree. What was once effective is now dull. And actually, it's not even dull. It's missing altogether. Have you ever realized that something is missing? I'm praying, but there's no longer passion. I'm singing the songs, but something's missing in me. I, I, I'm doing the same stuff, 
but there's no longer an edge to it. There's no longer a result. There's no longer something being produced. I'm now going through the activity of swinging the ax, but no trees are falling down. And many people stay right there. Many people never ask themselves, what's missing? Well, this is what I do. I swing the ax. It takes honesty with yourself to go, something's missing. What is it? <laughs> and, and maybe today, there's an edge missing in your faith. You used to be passionate. You used to be on fire for Jesus. You used to go after the things of God with, with, with abandon, without, without qualifying, without giving God conditions. You just, just fully go all in. I'm all in for Jesus. And yet, somewhere along the way, it was easy. Can I just say this? It was easy to say I surrender all when I had nothing to surrender. And somewhere along the way, we begin to pull back. We begin to have conditions and we begin to have qualifications or maybe we, we have activity, but there's no longer any effectiveness and we don't ask ourselves why. We call it faithfulness. Do you know what God's after? Faithfulness is important. We need to be faithful with what he gives us, but do you know what God's also after? Fruitfulness. Jesus didn't say we'll be known by disciples or as his disciples because of faithfulness only, but because of fruit. He says, you're going to bear fruit that remains. In other words, there's something. You're swinging the ax and trees are falling down. There's something that's produced in your life. Things are growing. Things are changing. Things are breaking. Things are moving forward. And yet somewhere along the way, the edge goes missing and we're still doing the same activity. We're still in the same relationships. We're still around the same people, but there's something missing. Something missing in our marriage. Something missing in our jobs. Something missing in our, our church and our communities. And, and, and we, we have to ask ourselves, what's missing? And he's swinging this handle and realizes something's wrong. I, I had years ago, this is a, a bad Father's Day story. But I had years ago, I was making, my, my daughter was, I don't know, maybe four no, no, she was younger. She was like two or three. And uh, her favorite thing to eat, it's, it's a mystery to find out what my kids want sometimes because I was the pickiest eater, and so this is God's payback. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and, but my, my daughter really liked uh, some kind of yogurt, and, and my wife knew how to make it right. Like, you know how, how anybody have that happen at your home? Like, you're like, hey, dad will make it. No, you don't make it like mom does. So, so I'm getting the yogurt ready, and I, I get this. And at the time, she really likes cinnamon powder in her yogurt. And so I open up the, the pantry where all the spices and stuff is, and I grab something that looks like cinnamon. <laughs> and I, 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 I load it up. I'm like, man, you think mom makes this good? You better get ready for how much cinnamon you're going to have on this yogurt. And so I'm loading this thing. It has got so much cinnamon. It's amazing. And I give it to her and she takes a bite and goes, dad, this is gross. <laughs> but she's still really young. So she could, didn't have language for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing the dad thing again, bad father's day story. I'm like, no, you're going to eat this every last bite. You're going to enjoy that until I realize after she just is absolutely not going to do it. And, and I, I go to smell it. She's something, this isn't cinnamon. I go to smell it and I realize I have not put cinnamon in there. I have put chili powder. 
Something's wrong. <laughs> it takes honesty to recognize something is wrong, something is missing. I have the same actions, I have the same activity, but the results are no longer there. I'm praying, but there's no voice. Singing, but no presence. Serving, but no passion. Activity, but not the fruit. And, and if we as believers would recognize something's missing, I believe the purpose is to go back to the place where it fell. If you're taking notes, number two is we need to recognize what's missing. What happens when big dreams fail? Plans go awry. Things don't work out the way we expected. And I, I mean, this guy probably thought, man, I've got this figured out. I'm going to cut down some beams. We're going to carry it. We're going to start building. And, and that's the way it's going to go. But somewhere along the way, the wheels came off the cart. <laughs> Things did not go as expected. And, and now he's missing an axe head that he needs to complete the task. He's missing something essential to his activity. And he asks Elisha, he says, hey, um, can you, can you help me find this? Alas, <laughs> it was borrowed. I wonder if the reason we're missing something in our life is because it was never ours in the beginning. It was just borrowed from somebody else. Faith is not borrowed, it's personal. Faith, there's, there's some things in my life that I can't borrow from somebody else. I have to get my own. I have to develop my own. And I, I think for there to be a long term, consistent growth in my life, there has to be a sense of ownership where I say, I'm not, if I'm waiting for somebody else for me to grow, if I'm waiting for others for me to be honorable, if I'm waiting for others to do the right thing for me to do the right thing, then I'll be waiting a long time. But what if somebody said, you know what, I'm going to take ownership of my life, my family, my marriage. I know what they're saying isn't good, but I'm going to be the difference maker. I know couples that can't get along because, well, she doesn't talk to me, right? She, she mistreats me. And, so, and, and there's this crazy cycle that never gets broken because somebody won't take ownership. Again, I'll make it up to you. We got donuts. You've got to take responsibility in your faith. Well, I just, you know, it's not growing anymore. And we start thinking it's all kinds of reasons. It's people, it's this, it's that. It's 1 Timothy 4, Paul told his spiritual son, he says, until I come, verse 13, give attention to a few things. He says to reading, to studying the word of God, to exhortation and challenging and being challenged, to doctrine, to teaching. He says, don't neglect the gift that's in you. Like you've got something in your life, don't neglect it. I think sometimes we lose our edge because we neglect what God's given us. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. What? To the, to the study, to the reading, but also the gift that God gave him, all of that. He says, you've got all of this in your life, but you've got to do something about it. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them. Most people want change, but you know, change is inevitable, but growth is not. Things will change in your life, but growth is not automatic. He says, meditate on these things, give yourself entirely that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed, to, listen to this verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the, the doctrine or the teaching. Continue in them, for in doing this, you'll save yourself and those who hear you. 
Any parents in here use the line, because I said so? But you don't do it. Your kids ever respond with that? Thank you. Paul says, hey, give yourself to this, and you'll not only just affect your life, but everyone who hears you. What if this isn't just for Timothy? It's not just for pastors and leaders. It's for every single person. When we give ourselves to the things that God has called us to, uh, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Do you know how an edge comes back when it's been dulled? It takes contact. Use a sharpening stone or something similar that produces an edge back in the metal that grew soft or dull or chipped or broken. And there's something that happens in your life when, when we need to get back our edge. We need to come back into contact with the things that gave us sharpness in the beginning. We need to connect with other people and we need to connect with God. What do you do if you've lost your edge? Let me give you a couple quick things before we end. These are, I think, signs that I've lost my edge. I start having the same conversations day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year. Same conversations. Man, I wish this would be different. I start complaining about the same people, the same stuff at work, same things. That's how you know you lost your edge. No longer hungry. I'm I'm no longer hungry for growth, no longer hungry for, for more of God, no longer hungry for the things that God has in my future. There's just a, an apathy. That's a sign I've lost my edge. Uh, I, I've learned that I've lost my edge when I have nothing fresh to give others, but I'm just reusing. And it takes a long time to do what I used to do that took little time. Little effort. And, and here's a big one, because here's what I found. Anybody who's ever lost their edge is defensive with anybody who still has theirs. But here's the good news, church. I got good news for you. I got good news. Because we can do what Elisha does. Elisha comes to the man. He says, alas, it's borrowed. I lost it. He says, hey, where did it fall? You know, God's in the business of restoration. God's in the business of recovery. He didn't come to him and say, you know what? I knew this would happen. I'm going to, who did you borrow it from? I'm going to let them know right now. Like, I'm going to rub this in. No, no. He says, where did it fall? What if we go back to the place that our faith fell. We go back to the place where we stop dreaming with God. We go back to the place where we stop praying and believing for more. We go back to the place where we, where we settled for less, where we compromised what was, what was valuable. And we allow God to restore what only he can restore. Revelation 2, Jesus said this to the church in Ephesians, the, the Ephesian church. He says, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. I know your works. I know your activity, your labor, your patience. You can't stand those that are evil. Like you've tested those that say they're apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. Like you're committed to what's true. How many people are committed to what's true, but they're no longer seeing lives transformed? They're, set, they're happy with good doctrine, but their city's still going to hell. He says, you've persevered, you have patience, and you've labored for my namesake. You're swinging the ax. You've not become weary. Nevertheless, I've got this one thing. Jesus says, you've left your first love. 
So if that was the end of the story, you'd think, man, that's depressing. Jesus is just pointing out what's missing. No, no, he, he invites them, verse five, remember therefore where it fell. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent, return, and do the first works. He says, you can get back what you lost. You can get back what, you, what fell. You can get back what's been forgotten, what's been forsaken. Number three, if you're taking notes of this, get your edge back. It's time to, what does is, what is Elisha tell him? He says, show me where it fell. And he takes him to that place and Elisha cuts off a stick, throws it in the water. And naturally speaking, the stick could have floated and the iron head should have stayed at the bottom. But this is where the supernatural comes in. God raised that ax head. And then he comes to the man and he says, go pick it up for yourself. If you're wanting to get your edge back, nobody else can do it for you. He says, go pick it up for yourself because there's something that's fallen that God's calling us to pick up again. And I don't know what your edge looks like. I don't know what may have fallen aside. I don't know what's been forsaken. I don't know what's been laid down. But I notice in my life, anytime there's no longer an edge, I go, God, I need to, I need to come to the sharpening stone. I need to come into contact with Jesus. And he is able to, can I just remind you today, he is more than able to bring back whatever you've lost. Jason, if you come to the front, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. Yeah, it's, it's, it sank. <laughs> it sank to the bottom. That's just where it's gonna stay. No, not when God's involved. He, he specializes, your God specializes in recovery. He specializes in making all things new. And I just wanna pray for you today. Maybe you've lost your edge somewhere in your faith. Somewhere in your walk with God. Somewhere in your closest and most important relationships. Today you can begin to get that back. It's not too late. It's not too late for God. And that's why I love this story. Because this isn't opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears. Jesus does all those things. It's not the big miracles that we write testimonies about and sing about and celebrate, and all those are important, but it's, it's about the little things too that he cares about because he cares, about, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And if you've lost something today, and maybe it's not just something outside of your life, but it's something in your life, in your heart, in your character, in your faith, in your God wants to restore. I've seen the greatest advances, the greatest fulfilled promises, the greatest God dreams in my life came out of seasons, came just after a season where I had to get my edge back. He doesn't shame the man for having lost his edge, lost the accent. He says, where did it fall? That's my question for you today. Where did it fall? Let's, let's bring that to Jesus.
I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask the prayer team in just a moment. Don't come up yet. They'll get ready and they'll come and we're gonna pray for a few things today. But, but first I wanna give you an opportunity if you're in here with no one looking around. You say, Brian, I don't have a relationship with God. Do you know Jesus 2,000 years ago died on the cross and the reason he died on the cross was to take my sin and yours because our sin is what separated us from God. And the greatest thing that was ever lost was us. God created us in his image. He loved us. He, he purposed great things for us, but we chose our own way, our own life, our own sin over God. And that sin brought separation and brought death, and yet God so loved the world, he gave Jesus because he was not content to leave us lost, but he came to rescue us. And just like the answer for that man was Elisha took a stick and threw it in the water and something was raised that should not have been raised. Jesus went to a cross 2,000 years ago. Heaven came down to raise you up in Jesus to give you a relationship with God, to rescue you and I from our sin, from our shame, from our guilt, from hell itself, to rescue us for Jesus, to rescue us for God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you can begin one right here and now. There's not some class you have to take. There's not some membership you have to join. There's not an organization you have to be a part of. There's a relationship. The only thing that saves us is Jesus. And if you've never asked him to save you, to come into your life, to rescue you, I want to give you that opportunity right here and now. And maybe you've been a Christian, but man, you've lost some stuff. And, and today you say, you know what? I, I need to come back to God. I need God in my life again. I need, I need Jesus in my life again. I need to recommit my life to God. If either of those are for you, say, that's me, Brian. I, I need Jesus in my life. I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna pray with you right now, right where you're at, to begin a relationship with God. And if that's you, or, or to come back to, to God, if that's you, I want you to do this. Would you respond, not to me, not to a message, but to God himself who's drawing you. Say, I need Jesus. I need God in my life. Would you lift your hand? I wanna pray with you. ask everybody to pray this with us to encourage anyone responding would you pray this with me say Jesus forgive me of my sins today be my savior be lord of my life I surrender my life to you I put my trust in you and from this day forward I follow you in Jesus name amen Amen. Prayer team, if you'd come to the front. I want us to pray for anybody that says, you know what, Brian, if I'm honest, with myself and with God right now, there's some areas where I've lost my edge and I'm ready to get it back. I want to pray for you before we have anybody come to the front. You say, I, I, I need to get my edge back. If that's you, just lift your hands to God. Yeah, Father, I thank you. Just keep them lifted for a moment. God, I thank you that you're in the business of restoration. You're in the business of recovery. You're in the business of, of, of bringing back what we thought we lost forever. 
maker in the business of raising things that are hopeless back to life. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every person in this room who feels like they've lost their edge in some area and they're ready to get it back. God, I thank you that you are in the business of recovery. And right now by the Holy Spirit, begin to highlight where it fell, not to bring them back to that place, but to launch them forward. You're getting back what's falling. And you're not just gonna start from where it fell, but you're gonna grow beyond that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your recovery, your restoration. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need prayer today for for what we've talked about or you need prayer for any area, and we serve an amazing God who answers prayer. We've got so many donuts, I guarantee you there'll be plenty for you. Do not let that be a reason not to come for prayer. If you need prayer today, it'd be our honor and privilege to pray with you. We have an amazing faithful prayer team that is full of God's word that's gonna speak life over you and your situation. If you need prayer in your marriage, with your family, with your business, whatever it is, let's just invite God into that. Let's just invite God to do what only he can do. Let me just close with this. One day, Peter is on the shore and Jesus shows up and says, hey, can I get in your boat? and teach the crowd. Peter says, yeah, sure. (laughs) Jesus climbs in his boat, puts out a little bit from land, and Jesus begins to teach the crowd that's assembled. But when he gets done, Jesus turns to the man, to Peter, and he says, I want you to do something. I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for for a catch. And Peter, so conditioned by what just happened, because the night before, this expert fisherman whose family for generations has been fishermen, says, I already tried that. I toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, because you said it, I'll do it. If you know the story, he goes out into the deep. He lets down his net, and there's so many fish, his nets begin to break, and he has to call for other help, for others to come and help. What's the point? Invite Jesus in the boat. Invite Jesus in that situation. Invite Jesus in that business. Invite Jesus into your family because he can do in a moment what you spent all night toiling and not accomplishing. Come on, somebody. If you need prayer, we love you guys. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday. Happy Father's Day. Anybody who wants to hear the dad jokes again, come to second service. We love you guys. See you later. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.